My name is Sam, as Robin said, I'm on the staff team here at Chalmers, and it's very, very good to see you uh, this Christmas time. It's good to see you, especially considering it is such a busy time of year. It's actually mad. Christmas is manic. Christmas is hectic. And, And I can imagine a lot of us, our time is spent at the moment just buying stuff, just buying loads of stuff. And getting up in the morning and thinking, I need to buy more stuff because Christmas is next week and, and, and there are more gifts to buy and there's more food to buy and there's more money to spend. And, and, and when we come down to it, Christmas is quite expensive. We spend a lot of our time spending money and uh, all our energies thinking about what to get people for Christmas. And especially in our climate, it's actually increasingly expensive, the amount of time and money that we spend on um, gifts. And gift-giving is great at Christmas. It's, it's what we do. And, uh, and it's a wonderful thing to be able to give uh, people gifts, especially those people who we love. But some of us may gawp at the amount of money that needs to be spent on gifts increasingly every single year. However, we are in Morningside. So I wonder if there's a few of us here who really love buying very expensive gifts. And for those of you here, men, I'm looking at you specifically, who haven't actually bought anything yet, I have, and you can have this for free, I've compiled a list of some of the most romantic, the most priciest gifts that you can buy this Christmas. You can thank me later. You could, for example, buy a chess set for your significant other. Not just any chess set, but an Asprey chess set, retailing at £4,000, making the phrase checkmate all the sweeter. Or how about a skateboard? Not just any skateboard, a Louis Vuitton skateboard. Who knew they made skateboards? Retailing at a cool £8,250 and comes with its very own Louis Vuitton carry case. Or maybe cufflinks. That's a perfect gift. Um, There's a pair of beauties from Foundry 47 made from decommissioned AK-47s after African conflicts. Yours at a snip at 30 grand. Who wouldn't want a reminder of war-ravaged Africa hanging off your wrists this Christmas? Or how about stationery? What about the goldsmith jackrow pen, yours for only £43,500? There are some truly astonishing gifts out there. And I can only help, along with all of us at Chalmers, that Christmas morning is for you a joy in the present opening department. However, I want to spend a little bit of time, just a little bit of time this afternoon, on the story of a woman who was being offered a truly priceless gift that she almost missed because she did not realize its true value. And this story is found in the Bible, in the very beginning of John's Gospel. That that is a a book in the New Testament, which is an eyewitness account that talks of Jesus' life and all the things that he said and did by people who were there watching him. And this story takes place about midday by a water well near the Samaritan town called Sychar in first century Israel. And and, uh, uh, imagine the scene with me. The, the, The sun is at its peak and it is baking hot. And there's no one around, all the women from the village who in those days would have done all the water carrying, they've come much earlier in the day to collect the water when it was nice and cool. But there is a lone figure now sitting by this well, and he's just come on a long journey. And that figure is Jesus. 
And he's been accompanied on this journey by his disciples, but they've gone into town to try and find something to eat. He's quite tired, and so he waits there for his friends after all the traveling. He's on his own. Not long after this, another lone figure comes to the well to draw water. It is a single woman. And this woman has a very dubious reputation in her town, even for a Samaritan. And the Jews didn't really like the Samaritans very much. She'd been married five times, it seems, but none of the relationships had worked out. And and now she was living with a man to whom she was not married. Life was very unsatisfying for this woman. And all the women of the village shunned her and and, and treated her badly. It was just less hassle for her to come and get water in the middle of the day, away from these gossiping women who wanted to do nothing more than tell her how awful her life had been and what a mess she was. She gets to the well, and she sees Jesus, and she gets very anxious. You see, this meeting is socially unacceptable, Jesus was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. Jesus was a man. She was a woman. Jesus had this incredible reputation of being holy and good and kind and and, and just. And she was, by contrast, in everyone's eyes, a notorious sinner. This meeting broke every social convention imaginable. And then Jesus does the unthinkable. He starts a conversation with her. And he asks her a very simple question. He says to her, will you give me something to drink? The woman was shocked, and and all she could think of saying was how dangerous it was for the two of them even to be seen together, let alone talking to each other. And she says as much to Jesus. She says, but you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus then speaks a single sentence that I just want to dwell on for a short while. And it's so important. It's going to come up on the screen behind me. It's from John chapter 4, verse 10, in the middle of this story. He says to her, this woman, If you knew the gift of God and who I am, you would have asked me, and I will give you living water. Let me read that again. If you knew the gift of God and who I am, You would ask me, and I will give you living water. Now, Jesus here is saying something remarkable. In referring to himself, he's saying that he is the gift of God. Now, what on earth does he mean by that? That is an astonishingly arrogant claim. Who would claim to be God's gift? Well, you see, that's why we're here this afternoon. That's why we as a church are here in Morningside. That's why we celebrate Christmas. You see, the Bible says there is an inherent problem with mankind. And that problem is that we actually want nothing to do with this good God who created us. And as a consequence, we're all broken and we're all empty and we're all searching for happiness anywhere we can find it, always falling short. And you may question the statement about God and about his creation, and that's fair enough. But if we're truly honest with ourselves, that's our reality, isn't it? Never being content, never being truly sorted, never being really settled, never being truly satisfied. And the Bible says, well, there's a reason for that. 
Because we've rejected our maker, we've rejected the person who, who knows how we function and so who knows what's best for us. But we'd much rather be on our own, our own king, our own boss, and try and work out how to do life on our own. But we always get it wrong and we always end up in a mess. But the Bible tells us God chooses to do something about that mess. He sends his son Jesus to live with us humans so that we could get to know this good God all over again. But, but not remotely, not, not through someone like me or, or, or through a preacher or through prophets, but through himself in the flesh. And this is what we remember at Christmas. This remarkable story of Jesus, the Son of God, being born in a stable, all the things we've been singing about, being put in a manger, welcomed by shepherds, announced by angels, visited by kings. This is God's Son. There's a reason there's so much hype about his coming. But the question is this. What was he on earth to do? How does Jesus coming to earth actually help our problem with life? Well, this is when we go back to the, woman of the, the story of the woman. Because if ever there was an example of a person who, who was broken and, and emptied and, and unsatisfied, it was this woman from Sychar, having had five husbands and a sixth boyfriend that she's currently living with. And Jesus knows about this. He knows about her reputation, her, her relationships. He knows about her ruined life and her great remorse. But Jesus doesn't abandon her like the other women in the village. Instead, Jesus stands in front of her and he says he is God's gift to her. Come to satisfy her deepest longing by giving her another chance through new and eternal life. Listen to what Jesus says. He says to the woman, everyone who drinks of this water from the well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him, he will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in that person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In other words, you'll never find satisfaction in these men or in these relationships, but I guarantee you, says Jesus, you will find satisfaction in me for eternity. Well, how does this eternal satisfaction, this eternal life Achieved. How does that happen through Jesus? Well, this is where we come to the astonishing cost of this gift that Jesus offers. Because it was to be achieved through the most remarkable act that has ever taken place in human history. This gift of eternal life was paid for by the Son of God, Jesus Christ, dying on a cross. You see, if it is true that we as humans have rebelled against the God of heaven, then the repercussions are enormous. And those repercussions, says, says the Bible, is death. And so Jesus, out of his love for us, he says, I'll take their death and I'll place it on myself. I'll literally die in humanity's place. And in exchange, they can have eternal life. This, eternal, this eternally satisfying water that was offered to this woman, this gift of God, cost the life of God's Son. 
You see, unlike the the Asprey chess set or the goldsmith jackrow pen, as expensive and romantic and well thought through as they may be, the truth is you'll eventually get bored of them or, or they'll break. There is no gift more expensive and more romantic and more thought through and more eternally satisfying than that of the gift of Jesus Christ. This gift we see in John 4 is found in Christ. And this Christ we see at Christmas chose to come to earth so that we might receive it now. Right at the beginning of his gospel, the, 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 um, the gospel of John, the apostle John, the author, he writes these words. He says, And the word and God, that is, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received the gift of grace. You see what's going on at Christmas? Jesus Christ the Son of God, became a man in the form of a baby so that 30 years later, this broken, unsatisfied woman in Syrophoenicia could receive an eternal gift from him of living water that eternally satisfies. And we read in John's story that she accepts it. And she goes away from that encounter radically changed, telling everyone about this good news. But also, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, became a man in the form of a baby so that 33 years later, this man would hoist himself onto a wooden cross to die for all who will trust in him as he takes on all of our brokenness, our dissatisfaction, our ugliness, and our shame and make us all new, really fully new, And give us in return a full life, a life that we can live to the full, a life that we can live for an eternity. If you knew the gift of God and who he was, you would ask him and he will give you living water. I realize for some of you here that might sound a little bit like nonsense. Or or at best it sounds like it's too good to be true, if if only. If only I could be eternally satisfied. Well, I challenge you not to dismiss this out of hand. This is true. Come up to me and ask me questions at the end. I'd love to speak to you about this. It's so important. So important that you really realize what's going on at Christmas. It's not all about the chintz and, and the candles. It's about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dying for you. The Bible is riddled with proof that this all happened and that Jesus really died. He really rose again from the dead and that this offer is really given to you now, today, this very afternoon. If it is true that we are living on the wrong side of a good God and if there is this eternally significant, truly expensive gift that costs Jesus his life for our sake that we can receive now, then is it not worth at least investigating Christianity this Christmas maybe?